This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network across the state of South Carolina. Appreciate you joining us after your hard day's work. We are now here working hard for you as you are headed home. The traffic out there across South Carolina, an absolute mess, no question about it. But sit back, relax, listen to Sports Talk as you head home. Stay with us once you get home and dream about us when you go to bed tonight. Phil Kornblut at Little John Coliseum. It's another prime time event for the Tigers who are 16-4, and 8-1 and one in the ACC. They take on Georgia Tech, which is 8-11 and 1-8. and, one and eight. So you'd say on paper this should be a walkover for the Tigers tonight, but you don't take anything for granted if you're Clemson. You're having a special year. You got a chance to have a great regular season, a very good seed in the ACC tournament, and lock down a spot in the NCAA tournament and not have to sweat out Selection Sunday. But you cannot. Take your eye off the prize. You cannot let up and have a team that's struggling like Georgia Tech come in here and upset you. That turns a potential terrific season into trash pretty quickly. So we'll see if the Tigers have, as they say up here at Clemson, the eye on the Tiger and have the eye on the Yellow Jackets and play good, sound, fundamental basketball tonight. It's possible they'll have Chase Hunter back and it's possible they'll have Alex Hemingway back as well. We'll see when they come out for warm-ups in about two hours. We're here so early, the lights aren't even on in most of the Little John Coliseum. Well, they got the lights on the floor, but we're one of the first ones here tonight because it's three hours before tip-off, and who comes to a basketball game three hours in advance unless you're camping out at Krzyzewskiville, whatever the case may be. No camping out necessary tonight, though I would expect – a good crowd tonight because the Tigers are going well. Students are here. It's 9 o'clock. They've got their homework done, right? They should be able to come on down the Little John and take in the basketball game tonight against Georgia Tech. So we are here for that and looking forward to it tonight. And uh, we have a great lineup for you as well. You know, college baseball season, the practice season, begins on Friday across the country. And Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach, will join us at 7.05 tonight to preview the start of practice for the Gamecocks. And you know he is anxious to get at it after what happened last year, anxious to get at it and show that, yes, the program is moving in the right direction. Yes, they can be very competitive in the SEC. Yes, they can make the NCAA tournament again. And he's got a team, I think, that can do it because he's got pitching. He just has to keep the pitching healthy. If they can keep the pitching healthy, I think the rest will fall into place. Having Monty Lee on board to assist, certainly a bonus for them as well. And so they return their pitching coach. They return Scott Wingo. Um, They have uh, beefed up the roster in the offseason 
with some transfers, some junior college transfers, some transfers from four-year colleges. And, you know, the the draft didn't really decimate them. So this should be a pretty good USC baseball team returning this season. We'll get his thoughts on that when he joins us at 7.05. 7.35 tonight. Looking forward to having Furman basketball coach Bob Ritchie with us. The Paladins having another very good year under Bob Ritchie, year in and year out. He turns out excellent teams at Furman. They are battling in the Southern Conference, and tomorrow night they'll be hosting Sanford, the front runner in the SoCon right now at 8-0. The Paladins right now in third at 6-2. They are a game behind Greensboro, which is 7-1. Paladins have won their last two. They are very much uh, looking at an opportunity here to position themselves very nicely for the Southern Conference Tournament, and a win over Samford would be crucial for them. That's a 7 o'clock tip at Timmins Arena. Then they go to Greensboro. So this is a, a big stretch for them, a chance to play the top two teams ahead of them in the Southern Conference and get wins. They're coming off wins over Chattanooga and Wofford, and uh, those two teams, of course, struggling a little bit. So they're going to step up in quality when they play Sanford at home and then go up to Greens, uh, Greensboro on Saturday. They just played Greensboro back on January 14th, lost an eight-point game in overtime in Greenville. So they're meeting them again very, very soon on the schedule. This is their first meeting tomorrow night. will be their first meeting with Sanford. They'll close out the regular season at Sanford on February 25th. So Sanford, very good football program, very good basketball program as well. Big test for Furman. We'll talk with Bob Ritchie. Today, South Carolina picked up another commitment for the 2024 class. Michael Smith tied in from Savannah, Calvary Day School, 6'4", and is a tight end who is a very athletic. He uh, can play attached. He can play as an H-back. You can split him out as a wide receiver. Talking to his coach, Mark Stroud, this afternoon after he made the uh, commitment announcement, he had nothing but praise for Michael Smith in that he's a very versatile guy. You can use him a lot of different ways. You don't, as he put it, have to personnel with him. You don't have to take him out of the lineup. You want to go to a full tight end attached to the line, you can do that with him. You want to split him out into the slot, you can do that with him. You want to split him way out as a receiver, you can do that with him. You want to put him in the backfield as an H-back, you can do that with him. He's a guy that doesn't have to come off the field. So in that way, he's very, very valuable. South Carolina won a very strong recruiting battle for him. Beating out Arkansas at the very end, Ohio State was the other team he listed in his top three. And the transfer from Arkansas South Carolina of Dowell Loggins uh, really was a bonus for South Carolina in this case. He might have been headed to Arkansas, but Loggins had a good relationship with him. Jody Wright had a good relationship with him, and they were able to get that commitment to South Carolina. So the Gamecocks continue a good start to their 2024 class. All the reason in the world to believe on Friday they will add Wendell Gregory, linebacker from Marietta, Georgia, when he announces. Seems like He's already made his decision, as he's told us. Seems like the Gamecocks are in very good shape with him. So they are getting it done very nicely on the recruiting side of things and still working on the 23 class. Today, Shane Beamer and Gamecock assistants 
were, maybe still are, in Rock Hill visiting home visit with a wide receiver from uh, Northwestern High School who they are uh, recruiting and who they had in for an official visit this past weekend. And the Gamecocks appear to be in a very good shape with him at this point as they get in for the final visit and get a chance to maybe close things down with Elijah Caldwell, 6-1-190. He uh, came off his official visit feeling very good about South Carolina. He was feeling very good going in. NC State is the other school in the mix for him. But this thing could be over pretty soon once this in-home visit is concluded, talking to his coach, Paige Wofford, this afternoon. And he feels like South Carolina has done a really good job recruiting him. They put themselves in excellent position. They uh, have sold him on the idea of what they can do with him in their offense. And he likes South Carolina a lot. He likes NC State a lot. But I think the feeling is South Carolina may be close to uh, getting this one locked down as well, uh, maybe before next Wednesday's signing day, February 1st signing date. And then on Thursday – It's up to uh, Washington, D.C. to uh, have an in-home visit with Nick Harbor, the tight end, the coveted tight end. Today, Michigan was in to see him. Jim Harbaugh and company had the in-home, or they're having the in-home visit with Nick Harbor. And so that's another big target for South Carolina in this 2023 class. And I tell you what, I mean, you look at Nick Harbor, who's also a defensive end. He plays defensive end. He plays tight end. I mean – I don't know if he is as big as Jadavion Clowney is in terms of height and in terms of uh, his weight. I don't think he is. I don't think he matches up that way. But in terms of physical skills and speed for a player kind of that size, that's about the closest thing to Jadavion Clowney that you could run across. I mean, of course, he's a terrific track sprinter. He's elite. He's the best in the country among high schoolers, and he has dreams of the Olympics. And so we'll see what happens. Track is very big in his plans. What does he think of Curtis Fry and the USC track program? Does Michigan do much in track? He's supposed to visit Oregon this coming weekend. We know how big Oregon is in track. So those have been some of the ones that have been um, pretty strong with him. We'll see what happens here over the next several days. But South Carolina is going to get in for their home visit with him on Thursday and see if they can make their final argument. They've been in pretty good shape with him. Uh, He likes them. His family likes South Carolina. The personality side, the momentum that Shane Beamer and his staff, they have right now in recruiting, that's all good for them. But can they close the deal with a big-time player like Nick Harbour? That would be some kind of cherry on top of the recruiting class for the Gamecocks. So that's some of what's going on, and we'll catch you up on some other things as well. And we've got uh, Coach Kingston, Coach Ritchie coming up. So we've got a lot happening here on the program tonight. If you'd like to join us, the phone number is 888-898-2525. That's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. And we can take some phone calls here in the first hour of the program, work in some calls in the second hour as well around the uh, the interviews that we do have for you tonight. So we got basketball here at Little John, Clemson, and Georgia Tech. There's other basketball as well tonight in the ACC. You've got Miami playing at Florida State. That's a 7 o'clock tip. Notre Dame and NC State. 
That's a 7 o'clock tip. And North Carolina goes up to Syracuse for a 9 o'clock tip. Last night, of course, up in Blacksburg, it was Virginia Tech beating Duke and breaking that losing streak that had grown to about, what, seven games, I think? They break that losing streak. They get their second league win. Duke falls to – I'm sorry, Duke falls to um, – uh, five and four. They had that close win over Miami at home on Saturday. So they get the loss last night. So they fall to five and four. It's been uh, kind of an up and down season for the Dukies to this point. 14 and six overall, five and four in the league. Right now, Clemson at eight and one sits atop the standings. And so the Tigers can uh, continue to, to stay there ahead of Virginia if they can get the win tonight. And uh, Virginia. Looks like the uh, Cavaliers are off until uh, when do they play again? They play Saturday at home against Boston College. Does not look like they do not play tonight. They do not have a game on Wednesday. So looks like this is their off week after um, getting their, their victory over the weekend. And so they're sitting right there behind Clemson. As for the SEC tonight, of course, South Carolina is on the road. They play tomorrow night down at Florida, looking to see if they can find some relief on the highway after having their struggles, of course, uh, at home. The Gamecocks will be on the road all this week, and so uh, maybe they can find some success there. Tonight in the SEC, you've got Missouri playing at Ole Miss. That's a 7 o'clock tip. LSU at Arkansas at 7, and then Kentucky goes to Vanderbilt at 9 o'clock. Tomorrow night, the Gamecocks play at Florida. That's a 7 o'clock tip. You've got Georgia at Tennessee, Texas A&M at Auburn, and Mississippi State at second-ranked Alabama. Boy, how about Alabama? What a great year they're having. Uh, a basketball team, the football team, can be proud of, huh? And, um, and of course, on Saturday, the Gamecocks play at Georgia. So, I mean, a couple of teams, uh, Florida and Georgia. Uh, Florida's 4-3 and three in the league. Georgia is 3-3 three and three in the league. Uh, the Gamecocks are 1-5. and five. But after having played the likes of Auburn and Tennessee and Texas A&M and Kentucky, um, they're finding some plate, some 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 teams here that maybe can they can match up with and compete better with. Even though it's on the road, uh, personnel-wise, talent-wise, overall, I would say they've got a pretty good uh, matchup here with Florida and Georgia if they just go out and play better basketball. G.G. Jackson's got to continue to carry the offense, no question about it. If he's hitting his outside shots, that certainly is a bonus for the Gamecocks and maybe open things up some some inside. Of course, they don't get much out of their big men offensively, but it does open up the lanes and allows the guards to attack the basket and drive. Maybe you get more out of Michi Johnson. Maybe you get more out of Hayden Brown and, and folks like that. So uh, a chance for the Gamecocks to go on the road and um, and maybe do some good because, let's face it, they are 1-5, but, again, they've played – Auburn, which is six and one in the league. They've played Tennessee, which is six and one in the league. They have played Texas A&M, which is five and one in the league. So you do the math. Uh, they've played three SEC teams that are combined seventeen and three in league play. You throw Kentucky in there. Of course, they beat Kentucky, and they're four and three. And they played Vanderbilt on the road and lost in overtime. And they're three and three in the league. And they beat an Ole Miss team. No, I'm sorry, they lost to an Ole Miss team, which is 1-6. So, I mean, that was inexcusable to lose at home 
to uh, Ole Miss, um, considering how poor Ole Miss is and how poorly they're going right now. So the Gamecocks can say, look at our record, but we've played a tremendously tough schedule, and they have to this point in league play. So maybe they match up better with Florida and Georgia on the road. They don't feel that pressure on the road, play a little bit looser, and uh, maybe surprise one or both of those teams and, and get a couple of wins, maybe split it at the very least to start feeling a little bit better about themselves. All right, we'll hit the break here on Sports Talk. If you want to join us, jump on board. Phone number 888-898-2525. That's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to Sports Talk. And since 2002, more than $160 million in lottery proceeds have been used to fund SC Hope Scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. And playing for fun is a win for education. We'll be back in a moment. Sports Talk from Little John and Columbia. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Think big, life-changing. I'm talking education, inventive, next-level education. Wake up. For 20 years, education has received billions in funding. Where, you ask? (laughs) Right here, across our state, in your own backyard. Who has done this? Well, if you've ever played the lottery, that would be you. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phone number 888-898-2525. Give us a call if you want to join us tonight. we got some great guests coming up, Mark Kingston and Bob Ritchie. A little bit later on, we'll have a complete recruiting report for you as well tonight, so stay tuned for that. And uh, fill you in on a couple of other things of, uh, of note from uh, Knoxville today. Looks like Josh Heupel's getting paid after uh, having a great year this year at Tennessee. He's received a contract extension that runs through 2029, includes annual pay, annual pay of $9 million and incentives. It makes him one of the highest-paid coaches in college football. His contract includes $8.725 million in supplemental pay and $275,000 in base salary. That's an improvement from $5 million this past season. This amendment adds $4 million annually and one year to his deal. That's one heck of a race. And, I mean, why not? If that's what it's going to take this day and age, that's what it takes. You got all this money flowing in. And why not spend it? It's being spent on players. Now you can spend it on coaches in good conscience and say, look, players are getting paid big too. 
quarterbacks are making $13 million here, $8 million there, so they can spend that kind of money on their coaches. And he's done a great job, no question about it. I mean, he stepped into a cesspool at Tennessee, and he turned them around uh, quickly, and he's in shape with the new quarterback coming in, whose name I won't even attempt yet. Got to work on it. Something like Ayama Leva. Uh, but he's a highly prized quarterback who was one of those guys that got one of the big NIL deals. Now, he'll be a freshman. And um, now, has Joe Milton decided what he wants to do? I don't remember that if he has said whether he's staying. If he returns, then that gives them a veteran arm back there because I like Joe Milton. I mean, being around him leading up to the Orange Bowl with Clemson and listening to him talk, and then watching him play and hearing the stories about him and his arm strength and then watching him unleash that arm strength against Clemson. His thing has been injuries. You know, he went up to Michigan. Uh, he was a starter up there for a while. And, and then eventually he got hurt. He came to Tennessee and um, he became the backup behind Hooker. Uh, he's fallen his way back from a bad knee injury, but physically an imposing football player. Pat, did you see anything about what he's doing? It certainly appears as though he's coming back. I'm seeing no indication here, <clears throat> excuse me, that he is entering the transfer portal or even really considering that. I found a Sports Illustrated article from from actually just the end of last week uh, that was being written here by an Evan Kroll Crowell, mm-hmm. and he's predicting Joe Milton to be he is his dark horse candidate to actually win the Heisman next year. He thinks that he thinks the world of Joe Milton and points out. I don't think I realized that. He had 10 touchdown passes after Hooker's injury to no interceptions. If that, I need to actually double-check that. But according to this article, that's what he says. If that's the case, that's, that's certainly something to build upon. I mean, he has the reputation of being somewhat erratic. As you said, he has an absolute cannon for an mm. arm. Yeah. But uh, as we saw in, on national television against Clemson, his arm did not look erratic in that game. He <laughs> looked like quite the quarterback. He looks like one of those guys. His arm is so strong, it's a flip of the wrist and the ball just shoots out of his hand. That's how strong it is, just a flip of the wrist. So, yeah, they've got somebody to build around. They've got a young guy to bring up. Here's more on that contract. $9 million annual pay is fully guaranteed if he gets terminated without cause between now and December 15, 2025. He would get 75% of the remaining amount if fired after December 15, 2025, but before December 15, 2027 and then 50% for the remainder of the contract. So here is where Heupel ranks now among college football's highest-paid coaches for the 23-24 contract year. You got Nick Saban clocking in at 11.1 mil. You got Dabo Sweeney at 10.75 million. You got Kirby Smart at 10.5 million. Have they announced anything new for Kirby yet? I don't think they have. I was just about to ask you that. You you have to think something's around the corner regarding yeah. him. Yeah, he'll probably jump Sweeney, I would think. Brian Kelly at 9.975. Ryan Day at 9.75. Mel Tucker, for some reason, is getting $9.5 at Michigan State. Maybe they see a bright future. Jimbo Fisher is getting $9.15 Some of these guys are stealing money, wouldn't you say? Uh, Mark Stoops is getting nine, Kiffin's getting nine, and Heupel's getting nine. So Beamer is up to six. 
So he's got a little ways to go to catch those at the very top of the list. But I would think that South Carolina and Beamer should feel pretty good about where they are on the pay scale with him. He's right about where he should be right now. Uh, have another have another winning season, have another big season, and you'll get another pay increase. None of this is written in ink. It's all written in pencil with a big eraser. The agents uh, hold the pencil with the big eraser, and they just uh, erase those numbers and write in new numbers when their guy goes out and does something well. So that's a big story there out of Tennessee, but they obviously are very much in love with Heupel, and Heupel very much likes being right there in, in Knoxville. So that's a win-win situation for the two of them. Odds to win the Baseball National Championship from Bet Online. LSU's 11-2. Tennessee is 13-2. Stanford 9-1. Ole Miss is 10-1. Clemson is 100-1. There were no odds on the Gamecocks or Coastal Carolina to win the National Championship in baseball. Okay, we'll hit the break here at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back. We are back on Sports Talk. We're at Little John Coliseum. We're at the very top of Little John Coliseum. Thank you, Dan Radakovich. You know, I remember the day that Dan, well, it wasn't the day he was hired, but it was not long after, and we're here for a basketball game. And back then, the media had, you know, nice seats on the floor along press row. A great tradition in college sports. You sit along press row. You get a chance to be up close and hear the coaches and see the players and see the players sweat and hear the players talk to one another. You get a great feel for what a basketball game is like, and you can really cover it and report. And you feel the crowd. You hear the noise behind you. Every place was like that. Every place had their seating on press row uh, along the floor. And I'm talking to Dan because we knew each other from his days at South Carolina, of course, and he comes over. We're watching a basketball game, and he goes, he goes, you guys always sit here on the floor? And I said, yeah, it's press row. It's where the press sits. He goes, huh. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, these would be some great, some great um, seats to sell here, you know. And I could just see in his mind, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching going. And I said, don't you dare. Don't you even think about it. And, of course, next thing we knew, we're up here in the rafters. The wheels were turning, huh? <laughs> he knew. He was He was already thinking, how can I make more money? How can I make more money? How can I spend more money? And I don't need these guys to be taking up quality space. And so, really, I am not lying. The press row is the very top of Little John Coliseum. I mean, it's a great view. You can see everything. It's just they look like mice to you. I do miss sitting on the floor from a um, – from both a personal standpoint and a professional standpoint. I mean, being a lover of college basketball, I, I want to be as close to the action as possible. But then as the standpoint of a reporter, uh, you, you can't really get a feel up here uh, for what it's, what it's like down there. You just can't. It's so far away. Um, but, hey, it's the world we live in. We're thankful for the little tiny morsels that we get tossed our way every every now and then. So uh, our phone lines are open for you, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number here on Sports Talk. Uh, Pat is at the Dave & Buster Studios in Columbia. 
if you're heading out tonight and you're looking for a great place to watch ball games, have a great meal, and have some fun, check out Dave and Buster's in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Eat, drink, play, and catch all the big games all season long at Dave and Buster's. Fantastic places in Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. Also, while you're thinking about the future, your plans for, say, the summer, maybe later this spring, or you're thinking about the summer, where do you want to go to hang out for a weekend or a week or a month? Of course, in South Carolina, you want to go to the beach. You want to go to the Grand Strand. You want to go to Pauly's. You want to go to Surfside. You want to go to Garden City, all those great places. Give Jimmy Smith a call at James Smith Realty and let them take care of your lodging. You need something large, a big old house. You need something in the middle or you need something small. Jimmy has access to all those different types of properties, and he works hand-in-hand with you. He gets you exactly what you need, exactly what you're looking for to fit what it is that you need. Just give them a call at 843-237-4246. Check them out online at pauliesvacationrentals.com, your perfect beach getaway. It's just a phone call away. Jimmy Smith, James Smith Realty, 843-237-4246 is there number. Uh, Wofford today announced the hiring of a couple of more football coaches. Head coach Sean Watson has announced that Sonorize Perry and Devin Watson are joining the coaching staff of the Terriers. Perry played college football at Louisville prior to a career in the NFL. He was a rookie free agent with the Chicago Bears and played in all 16 games for them in 2014, mostly on special teams. And at Louisville, he was a running back, 1,400 career rushing yards and 18 touchdowns. Hope I'm saying his name right. Sonorize, S-E-N-O-R-I-S-E. Sonorize, Sonorize Perry. And then Watson is a Wofford grad, last season was the cornerback coach and assistant recruiting coordinator at Tennessee Tech. And he will be joining the coaching staff there at Wofford. Okay. So Coach Sean Watson, we've got to get him on the show. We haven't had him on the show since he was elevated to the head coaching job. Got to get him on board with us at some point. So he fills uh, two more positions there on his staff at Wofford. Uh, Pat, you saw something today uh, pretty significant happening in Tuscaloosa about Alabama, a more shakeup on the Crimson Tide staff. Not that it matters. I mean, they change coordinators like they change socks, and all they do is win. As long as they don't change the great players, they'll be okay. Yeah, uh, just more change down in Tuscaloosa. But like you said, the more they change, the more things seem to stay the same down there regarding Nick Saban's staff. Today, so just, I guess, last week or, or maybe two weeks ago, uh, he lost his defensive coordinator, Pete Golding, who left to stay within the SEC West, by the way, and took the same position as defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. But now offensive coordinator Bill Bryan is leaving the position at Alabama and returning to his former boss, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots. Remember this mm. year they kind of had a makeshift uh, uh, staff on offense. He had a former longtime defensive coordinator somehow – kind of yeah. inexplicably calling offensive plays this season. Needless to say, it did not go well. Well, Bill Belichick has now reached out, and Bill Bryan has officially accepted that position to go back to the New England Patriots. So now this will mark 
the sixth different offensive coordinator in the last eight seasons for Nick Saban and that Alabama staff. But like you pointed out, it really has not made a whole heck of a lot of difference, seemingly, who is doing the play calling down in Tuscaloosa. Amazing. Amazing how they can have that kind of turnover, but that continuity on offense remains the same because I guess, you know, he's hiring guys that have the same philosophy as he does, and it seems like they're still doing the same stuff. But whichever, whoever they bring in as a coordinator, their offense sort of looks the same, doesn't it? Have you noticed any any differences from, let me just think, from when Lane Kiffin was there to when uh, Sarkeesian was there to when O'Brien was there? All pretty much the same. It is pretty much all the same. And just to help fill in those names throughout that those dates, you had Lane Kiffin. And also just think about the – the caliber of these coaches and where they are now. Lane Kiffin, of course, he then was at Florida Atlantic. Now he's Mm -hmm. at Ole Miss and seemingly has the Rebels going in the right direction. Then Brian Dayball, and all he's done since then is go to Buffalo and do great things and now turn around the New York Giants in in a year and has turned Daniel Jones into what looks like a franchise quarterback. And a year ago, Giants fans were ready to throw him in 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 the trash heap. So he certainly has turned out well. Mike Loxley who is now the uh, head coach at Maryland and has them moving in the right direction. Steve Sarkeesian, who, of course, seems to be doing good things at Texas, maybe hasn't quite lived up to the hype yet in his first couple of seasons, but at least seems to have them trending in the right direction. And then, of course, Bill O'Brien. And to your point, for the last six, seven, maybe eight years, Alabama has run consistently the same kind of offense. But if you go back a little bit further to that, Back when they had the major Apple Whites, the Jim McElwains, then the Doug uh, Nussmeyers there, Nick Saban was very publicly against the spread offense. He was more of a ground and pound, kind of run the ball first, second, and third down, run the ball 50 times a game. He didn't like the spread offense. He ran more, he did more of a pocket passing type, didn't like a quarterback that would move around that much. He relied more on his defense and his rushing attack, but then ultimately realized if I want to continue winning, I need to evolve or get left behind. And Nick Saban kind of reinvented that entire offense at Alabama somewhere around, I would say, the Doug Nuss, uh, Nussmeyer and then uh, going into Lane Kiffin was when it really kind of changed into that spread offense that we see there today. Yeah, and it's one thing that hasn't changed, well, two things that haven't changed. Their defense remains elite, right, and their kicking game their place-kicking game remains a question mark. <laughs> I mean, for such a great program, you give them South Carolina special teams. You take South Carolina special teams, put them on Alabama, my goodness, which brings up a, a point that I want to make now that we're shifting gears back to South Carolina. I want to talk a moment about that. I mean, the job that Pete Limbo did at South Carolina this year with the special teams was one of the great coaching jobs in the sport in 2022. I mean, you got your great offensive coordinators. You got your great defensive coordinators. I get that. But Limbo, he took a segment of a team that is so often overlooked, even in the stands. I mean, how often do people like when a punt's coming up or a field goal's coming up, whatever, they head towards the concessions or something, you're not paying any attention to it. He made it must-see football because you never knew what the Gamecocks were going to do, whether it was a punt whether it was a field goal attempt, whether it was a kickoff return, that element for South Carolina was something very few teams had in 2022 to that degree. And the question is, now that other teams are going to be so much aware about it, can they do it again 
in 2023. How much harder does it get now that you've got that reputation to fake field goals, to fake punts, to do all kind of crazy stuff on special teams? And, I mean, just think about the asset the special teams were, especially to the offense, the way they set them up with good field position, the way they scored points for them. Can they do that again in 2023? And, Phil, not only that, because you're right, Pete Limbo, what he was able to do with the Gamecocks this year was truly unbelievable. And Shane Beamer spoke highly of him from the moment he hired, from the moment that he first hired Limbo. And I don't want to say that a lot of us were scratching our heads, but I think a lot of us at least, or I, sh- I can only speak for myself, I noted that it's, at the time, I don't want to say I was baffled, but I was a bit confused as to why he was that excited about a special teams hire because shame on me, like so many others, as you just mentioned, kind of overlook special teams. We don't really think about that as being an integral part of a winning team, but he showed this year, I mean, you could count three, four, maybe five games that they may not have won without Pete Limbo and the production from his special teams and also take it a step further other teams had to account for for South Carolina's special teams. Look at the mistakes we saw from other teams because they were trying to counteract and maybe get a little too cute uh, trying to protect against Pete Limbo and that Gamecock special teams. And the example you may be getting to where I'm going here, no bigger than against the Clemson Tigers. And that upset win, we saw, remember, whatever you want to call that cluster of a special teams decision on that kickoff early on in the game, when you had, what, four or five Tigers kind of gathered around in a circle at the 20-yard line mm-hmm. in some weird little configuration. And that, of course, went horribly for Clemson and resulted in a Gamecock touchdown. And that kind of started shifting the momentum of that game. And that's just an example of other teams would make mistakes because they were almost trying to match Pete Limbo and what his special teams were doing, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, but I will argue, and that's an excellent point, but I will say – that was a good call for Clemson. That play worked, all except for the fumble. I mean, they executed it. Uh, they got the ball to um, Maffa, and he had running room. He just didn't protect the football. So you can't blame the play call there. You can't blame uh, the execution of getting the ball to a surprise returner. He just didn't protect the football at the end of the play. That's fair. You're, you're right. That is fair. The only thing I would push back at is, is how often do you think they practiced that uh, do you think that was something that was implemented the week of that game? Was that something they'd been doing going back to summer or fall camp? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I, I would be willing to bet that Pete Limbo and a lot of the plays that we saw from his special teams, that was day one stuff. That was things that they were practicing day in and day out all season long, and that would be my only slight pushback. But you're right, you're right. The play call worked. It just was not executed properly. You're right. Yeah, and you're right, too. They he, that, that does give other teams something they've got to plan for. We asked limbo about that and we asked beamer about that back during the season they both agreed yeah that's an advantage that's a plus south carolina when you have to spend time preparing for their special teams and you know when they go to north carolina to charlotte to play north carolina to open the season here's the other thing the special teams i think feeds right in to the culture that beamer has built at south carolina or is building it isn't built yet but what he is building and that is, of course, they sell family, family, family. But South Carolina, and it's something that Steve Spurrier tried to implement, making South Carolina a cool place to play football. You know, come play for me, Spurrier used to say, have a good time throwing the ball, a cool place to play. And it was for him for several years. Well, when you do stuff like that on special teams and you use a bunch of different players and you get them involved, 
I think that falls in line with what Beamer is trying to build from a culture standpoint, that this is a fun place to play. We're all a big family. Everybody participates. You better keep an eye on our special teams. You don't know what's coming. We do the unpredictable and, you know, come play with us uh, for us and have a great time. And, you know, for the most part in recruiting, it's, it's working very well for them because he's landing uh, many of the players that he's, he's going after. Okay, with that in mind, we'll hit the break and come back with the recruiting report tonight. We've got a lot of stuff to share with you in recruiting, so we'll get to that after the break at 7.05. USC baseball coach Mark Kingston will join us. And then at 7.35, it'll be Furman basketball coach Bob Ritchie. We'll continue from Little John in a moment. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. All right, time for the recruiting report tonight here on Sports Talk. It is brought to you by our good friends over at Seawells. Great day to get out and enjoy the Seawells Daily Luncheon Buffet. Today was a great day. Monday was a great day. Uh, tomorrow will be a great day. Do we have an, an idea what the menu looks like the rest of the week, Pat? We sure do, Phil. Tomorrow will be carved roasted turkey with cornbread dressing along with southern fried chicken and fried fish nuggets. Mm. Thursday, they're mixing it up a little bit, throwing a bit of a curveball. Instead of roast beef Friday, it'll be a roast beef Thursday this week. Yeah, so carved roasted sirloin of beef along with southern fried chicken and one of my new favorites is uh, fried pork chops. They are outstanding. Mm. And then <clears throat> to cap off the week, Southern fried chicken, spaghetti, and Ooh. fried flounder. Been there for that. Okay, I'm happy Thursday because I'm going. I have a lunch date at Seawells on Thursday, so that's perfect. Is Very it with excited Is it about with Andy? that. Beg your pardon? Is it with Andy? No, 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 no. <laughs> this is somebody else who's paying off a bet that I won, okay? Ah, He's going to be gotcha. in town. He said, we're going to Seawells. I said, great, we'll go Thursday. 
But that's even better news. That makes my week. I get a roast beef Thursday or roast beef Friday on Thursday. That's I'll take that every day. And, Phil, don't forget while you're there, they also have all kinds of local fixings as side items. They have uh, uh, the salad bar and then dessert, especially the banana pudding is outstanding. Mm, It is. And all the tea you can drink. They've just put the pitcher on the table, and they say have at it. And, of course, if you need catering help, let Seawells do all the work for you. You got something coming up, just make that one phone call to Seawells, 803-771-7385, online at seawellscateringsc.com. Dot com. So the Gamecocks picked up another commitment for their 2024 class today. Tied in Michael Smith, 6'4", 225, Savannah. Chose the Gamecocks over Ohio State and Arkansas. Some other offers included Alabama, Florida, Texas, Penn State, Ole Miss, Auburn, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Kentucky. I'd call him a Tier 1 prospect. The Gamecocks were the first program to offer Smith. And he visited three times, including the Georgia game, and once in mid-December. He also visited Ohio State for a game in September. But he said it came down to South Carolina and Arkansas. When he announced today, he said simply, I'm going home to South Carolina. Now, his coach at Calvary Day, Mark Stroud, he told us after the announcement that he's just a great guy. He has a big heart, comes from a great family. And what impressed him the most, he said, was during the whole process, he just was humble. He just had this humility. He never let what was going on get to his head. He has a great future, the coach said. Last season, Smith caught 24 passes, 601 yards, 12 touchdowns. Sophomore, he caught 48 for 684 and nine touchdowns. And his coach said, quote, he's a guy who can play in line, tight end, attached, and next play, he can be out there by himself at wide receiver. He's just that skilled. He also said that he's very physical, that he's fast. He's very, very athletic. He's got great ball skills, the coach said. You don't have to get him off the field depending on your personnel grouping. He can play in all different group settings. So that's another plus for him. Uh, the coach said that USC tight ends coach Jody Wright developed a strong personal relationship with Smith early on, and that carried the Gamecocks through to the finish line. And he said he thought the Gamecocks were very authentic, very real out of the gate, and uh, he can sense that. The player, Smith, he can sense that pretty well, and he said he thinks they got his attention because of that. It was a very smooth process. So Smith is the Gamecocks' third commitment for the 24 class with a possible fourth looming on Friday, linebacker Wendell Gregory Marietta, Georgia. Wide receiver B.J. Gibson, six feet, a buck 70, Rochelle, Georgia, visited USC over the weekend for junior day. He was a commitment for Tennessee baseball. Last night, he announced his decommitment, and once again, he's considering all of his options for both sports, and the Gamecocks are definitely one of his strong options right now, largely due to the bond he's developed with receivers coach Justin Stepp. He said he likes Step. They've built a relationship over the last few months, a personal relationship, and a, around football as well. He likes his personality. And he also has uh, Auburn, LSU, Maryland, Georgia, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, LSU, Iowa State, Syracuse, Kentucky on his offer sheet. He's not to the point yet where he's ready to identify leaders, but USC's in a good place. He likes South Carolina. He thinks the academics are good. He likes the sports uh, department as well. He likes the athletic department. 
Um, thinks they're on the way up as a top program in the country. And so the, he will continue to uh, consider them. Uh, he has decided to play two sports in college. He went to Founders Park while he was in Columbia. He did not meet with Mark Kingston, but he did meet with assistant coach Scott Wingo. And he said he's looking forward to playing both sports in college. And everybody, for the most part, is giving him that opportunity. He went to Georgia Tech for a junior day January 14th. This coming Saturday, he'll go to either Florida State or Kentucky. Last season, he caught 72 passes for 1,387 yards, 16 touchdowns. As a center fielder last baseball season, he hit 370 with a homer, five doubles, 25 RBIs, and he stole 14 bases. Uh, catching up on a couple of things from yesterday, place kicker Peyton Argent of Hoover, Alabama, will come to USC as a preferred walk-on. This past season, he was 11 of 12 on field goals with a long of 43. Cornerback Charles Lester plans to be at the Clemson Junior Day Saturday. He's had a top five of Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Ohio State, and Florida State. Clemson target running back David Eziomum will be in for the Junior Day Saturday. Uh, Also, Clemson target cornerback Emilio Agard, who was at Penn State Saturday, will be at Clemson on Saturday coming. USC's in the top 14 with safety Cameron Michael, Statesboro, Georgia. The others are Georgia Tech, Kentucky, Georgia Southern, Florida State, Duke, Ole Miss, Colorado, East Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Cincinnati. Safety Jarvis Boatwright of Clearwater, Florida, named the top five of USC, Florida State, UCF, Tennessee, and Florida. USC target linebacker Wendell Gregory was offered by Southern Cal. USC offered 2026 defensive back Nasir McCoy of Buford, Georgia. USC offered 2026 quarterback Julian Lewis, Carrollton, Georgia. And I think that takes care of that for now here on Sports Talk. We'll hit the top of the hour break. Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach, coming up. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with us. Busy basketball time here in the state of South Carolina. But, of course, baseball is right around the corner. Hard to believe college baseball practice for real. Not that the fall isn't for real. It's for real as well. But that seems like when you're practicing in the fall, the season seems so far away. Now practice begins on Friday, and the season's just a few weeks away. So it's time to talk seriously about college baseball in our state. We welcome in USC coach Mark Kingston to Sports Talk once again. Coach, it's great to have you back with us. Hope you're doing well. You're at your daughter's basketball game. I'm sure she can light it up probably better than you could. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but, yes, happy to be on with you guys. Baseball's right around the corner and couldn't be, couldn't be more excited to get back on the field and start playing games at Founders Park. Absolutely. Well, D1 baseball's got you guys ranked 23rd in their preseason poll. What, what is it that they know that they like so much about you that would put you among the national elite going in? 
Well, they're, they're, of all the media outlets, you know, outside of our local media outlets, obviously, you know, a lot of the, the local people have been and watched a lot of our scrimmages. But from a national standpoint, uh, you look at the Baseball Americas, the D1 Baseballs, Collegiate Baseballs, the only one of those that have been out to watch us play is D1 Baseball, and that's Aaron Fitt, who's a very well-respected writer. Uh, he was out and watched our, us play this fall. He was here for the Garnet and Black World Series and – I think he got a good look at what this team looks like uh, in 2023. It's it's a much improved team. It's pitching depth is really good. Uh, it's an older, more offensive group. The defense is going to be very good. So I, I think he I think he got a little glimpse of what we're capable of, and I think that's a good starting point for us. You know, in terms of where they have us, but I also think that our potential can be much greater than that as well. Yeah, you, you kind of feel like this team potentially uh, checks almost all the boxes that you look for in a quality team? I think so, Phil. I think so. It always starts with pitching. As you know, You know, all great teams start with great pitching, and, and our pitching can match up with just about anybody in the country. Um, from the guys that we have back that are improved, the, guys, the, the multitude of guys coming back from injuries, the guys we've added in recruiting, uh, our pitching can, can go toe-to-toe with anybody on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think our bullpen's going to match up with anybody. I think we're going to have a Tuesday starter that's a pro prospect um, that has already been drafted. So I think pitching-wise, we're going to match up with anybody. I think our defense has a chance to be an elite defense. And then I think offensively, we're just going to be older and more experienced and and have a stronger group of people. Uh, We're going to have a good left-right balance. So you know, as we start the season, I, there's a lot of things I like that I that I watch every day. Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach, with us. So you pretty much just write in Sanders, Hicks, and Hall for your weekend rotation right now. Is that how it looks? Well, not necessarily. I think you know, there's, there's. I would say there's six guys right now that you're looking at that that are in high consideration for being starters. Uh, Hall and Sanders are obviously two of them. Uh, Jack Mahoney is a name you need to become very familiar with. He was a guy that missed all of last year um, with the Tommy John surgery, um, but he's back and healthy and and ready to go. Uh, two years ago, as a true freshman, uh, he was a weekend he was a weekday starter for us, a Tuesday starter. Uh, had a he was three and zero with a one six ERA and a great strikeout to walk ratio, uh, and he's even better now. His fastball today during our our pitcher batter match uh, matchups was up to 96 he'll he'll be up to 97 Ooh. so he's in consideration for a weekend job um you mentioned hicks who was drafted last year by the orioles even though he only threw six innings uh before he missed the entire season uh he's back and better than ever um he's in consideration then you have matthew becker who, who we all know is one of the elite lefties of the country uh pitched great against texas last year beat texas uh, went toe-to-toe in his Tennessee start. So he's shown great glimpses. And then we've got a young freshman named Eli Jerzenbeck, uh Has a great pedigree. His dad pitched in the big leagues. And he may have as good a stuff as anybody on our team. So you're looking at those six guys. Obviously, only three of them can be weekend starters. One of them goes to the midweek spot. And then two of them, you know, will will be a big part of what our bullpen will be. So, uh, assuming we stay healthy, and again, after last year, you can't assume that. But um, assuming we stay healthy, it's a, it's a staff that's going to have a great number of pro prospects and a lot of guys I think will pitch in the big leagues. And you mentioned the bullpen. That's right. The guys that don't make the rotation will be a part of a strong bullpen. What does the back end of the bullpen look like? 
Well, you take uh, of the you know two of the guys that don't make the, the rotation for now. You know, the four of those guys will be in the rotation. Two will go to the back of the bullpen. But you also return Kate Austin, who had a really nice year for us last year. We got a transfer in from Cal uh, Cal Berkeley last year uh, named Proctor, who's uh, last year had 48 strikeouts and 30 innings as their closer. Uh, so we've got a lot of options, a lot of so- options, and, and a lot more guys past that. You know, the Eli Jones, the, the Thomases, the guys that were starters for us last year probably will be, you know, have, have probably a little bit smaller roles this year. But, you know, you hope that that, that allows to them to really, really thrive. All right, let's look at it offensively. And you look at Wimmer, I guess, as your leader, maybe one of your team leaders, a guy that can play a lot of different places. What's your plans for him? Well, as of right now, he would be the shortstop. Uh, he's really taken that position and run with it he's uh he's a guy that was drafted last year after the season um turned down a six-figure bonus with the phillies to come back and he asked for the opportunity to to play shortstop or and just be looked at there obviously braswell played there all of last year and we also have a young kid uh that's a tremendous prospect out of georgia named will tippett um, but right now, Wimmer has really grabbed that position and looks to be an elite, elite defender there um, to go along with how he, he's developing offensively. He's been a, a 300 hitter for us with good power and good speed. And his defense is, is about as good as I've seen so far. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to coach, I think it's up to four shortstops that have now played in the big leagues in my, in my career. And he's playing as well defensively as any of them ever have. So that's been a really nice development for us. Uh, so yeah. he's going to be a key guy for us, no question. And where does Braswell go? Braswell can play third. Um, Braswell can play second. And he can also, you know, he, he's still a guy that can play shortstop. But there's a lot of competition right now, Phil. I can mm. tell you, you know, guys, guys that might have been no doubt starters last year are guys that are fighting for playing time now just because of, the increased talent level and the increased increased depth on our team right now. So it's made for a really good competitive environment every day in practice. Wow. That's uh, uh, to have that luxury. I mean, cause Braswell was making people go ooh and ah at times last year and to have that luxury to move him around. I mean, that's just such a bonus for you. Yeah. I mean, they're both very good shortstops. You know, right now Wimmer has the edge on range. Wimmer's range is just, it's elite. That's the only word I can use. He's, He's a six-four runner in the sixty, which which is you know top end of the scale major league speed, especially for a shortstop. And the range he provides is just it's major league quality. And so um, you know for that, Michael's a really good shortstop, but the, the range Wimmer has is game changing. Yeah, uh, visiting with Mark Kingston a few more minutes. He wants to get back in to see his <clears throat> daughter lighted up inside the gym. We understand that, but we appreciate the time. Let me ask you quickly about. We talked about shortstop. What about the rest of the middle defense? Catcher, center field, what are you looking at at those spots? Well, you know, again, we still have three weeks to, to, to look at these guys before the season starts, but uh, I think we'll be able to match up some things. I think right now you're looking at Lee Croy and Messina are probably our top two catchers. They've both made great improvements from last year, uh, both offensively and defensively. Physically, they've got themselves in much better and stronger shape they're both really a lot more polished behind the plate than they were last year and offensively they they both look like they can really help us 
Uh, Jonathan French came over from Clemson and, and, you know, right now is providing depth uh, to those and challenging those two guys for playing time. And then a local product named Bucan from uh, AC Flora is, is, is probably our fourth catcher right now. Um, second base, probably the leader right now is, is Will McGillis, a uh, transfer portal guy from Southern Miss. Uh-huh. Hit 16 homers for them last year. Uh, and then out. Uh, uh, Phil, we just uh, we just Did lost. We lose him? Yeah, we, we lost him there. Um, one you want to try and reconnect real quick? Yeah, we can. One, oh, here he is actually calling back. One second. Okay. Cell issue. Cell devil got in the way there. But we'll get Coach back on with us here momentarily. Loving the stuff he's telling us here about his team. They sound deep. They sound talented in all the areas that you want to be deep and talented, which is, you know, everywhere, but especially that shortstop position. Tell you what. Wimmer must be something special from what they've seen. All right, Coach, you're back with us. You were talking about second base and then center field. Yeah, sorry about that. We got disconnected. But, yeah, okay. McGillis right now probably is, is who you're looking at at second base. He hit 16 homers for Southern Miss last year. Um, but as we mentioned, Braswell can slide over there if necessary. Uh, Will Tippett, a very talented uh, freshman switch hitter out of Georgia, uh, can be there as well. And then center field, Stone is by far our best defender out there. And he may he plays defense such that it may be if, as long as he can hit 250 or higher, you just play him every day and 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 have the great defense. But also, you know, we've got a, a few other guys that we're looking at out there in center field. Uh, Caleb Denny is a guy that can play out there, who's uh, an Oral Roberts transfer that hit 330 with 11 homers last year. Um, Dylan Brewer, who came over from Clemson, has played out there at Clemson some, so we can look at him. And then also Will Tippett, the the speedster from Georgia, who's a, a shortstop slash second baseman, can also uh, run out there to center field and make plays, too. So we've got got some really good options. All right, last thing. We've touched on every position, so let me ask you quickly about your corner outfielders and your first base, and that will complete the lineup. What does it look like? Well, first base right now probably is, is Gavin Cassis, uh, transfer from Vanderbilt. Uh, you may recognize the name, his brother. Uh, who's a couple years older, is the starting first baseman for the Boston Red Sox. Mm. Uh, and, and Gavin looks very, very similar to him. He's a big, strong, left-handed hitter. Uh, has been our best hitter since the day he got on campus in the fall. Uh, he was Vanderbilt starter at first base last year until he hurt his knee, uh, missed the rest of the season, and, and you know decided to go into the portal and, and, and joined us. Um, and then the corner outfielders, uh, Carson Horning, has made some tremendous improvements. He's a much bigger, stronger player this year, and it's showing up. He's shown up as a big-time power hitter this year. Um, Dylan Brewer is a guy that will get some looks in right field, and, and I mentioned Caleb Denny, uh, the transfer from Oral Roberts, uh, who, as I said, is the 330 hitter with double-digit homers last year. So a lot of good options. Uh, you know, A lot of those guys are left-handed hitters, so we'll have a, a better balance of left-right than we had last year. All right, last thing, we'll let you go. How do you feel about your staff? You got your pitching coach back. You got Wingo back. You've added Monty Lee. I believe Stuart Lake is back doing some things with you. Um, how do you feel about the group that you're working with? I love it. It's, it's a great group. It's, it's everything you can ask for. You know, Monty's been a great addition, him and I. Obviously, we've been button heads for the last five years, but 
now that we, we're here together, it's just it's been it's been a great it's been a great marriage for us. Uh, we have great baseball conversations in the office every day. He's done a really nice job with our hitters, um, and I think it's a little, been a little bit of a fresh breath breath of fresh air for him because he's just really diving into the recruiting and the offensive, you know, the hitter standpoint, um, and letting me deal with all the the, the head coach stuff. And so uh, it's been a great. Parker's great. You know, Wingo. We love having Wingo and. I just think this coaching staff is about as good as you can ask for. We appreciate it very much, sir. Thanks for joining us. Go enjoy the basketball game. Look forward to being at your press conference on Thursday and then uh, talking to you throughout the season. We're looking forward to baseball, Coach. Thanks for joining us. All right. You got it. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach. And why shouldn't they be good, Pat? I mean, it's USC baseball historically. It's one of the best programs in the country. Bad year last year, they will admit it. There's no other way to put it. Struggled poorly last year in many ways. Injuries, injuries had a lot to do with it. Had to look ahead to 23 and say, okay, when we get healthy, we got a chance to be something special. This is the Gamecocks talking. They get healthy, got a chance to be something special. We've talked about healthy arms, how good they could be on the mound with these healthy arms, and now you're going to get a chance to see it. They just got to go out and perform. Hopefully so, and you hit the nail on the head there. Health the last couple of seasons has just been the major kind of boogaboo for this for this Gamecock baseball team. We have not really gotten to see throughout the season what all the, I don't want to say preseason hype, but what all the, the thought that we all had for that team was that year. We just have never really seen it come together yet. And you know, Phil, what really stuck out to me throughout that whole interview, that was a great interview, was, was the Braswell comments. And it sounds like that now he may be viewed as more of a and, and he did mention there's still a few weeks to figure all these details out, but he may be almost more of a utility player this year and we may see him kind of bounce around to different positions. I don't know whether we should look as far as to think that that'll be just to give other players a day off or maybe he'll be like a mid-game substitute type situation or if maybe we'll just see him not have one home all season on the field but instead bounce around from position to position. But, uh, but hearing those comments from Kingston were, were a bit surprising. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Braswell has unbelievable talent. I mean, I remember when they played Clemson last year in the first game and um, Monty Lee said, that guy, the guy short, he said, that he's special. He's just a special player. Um, but, you know, he was a freshman last year, and I think at times the game got a little bit fast for him. So this will give him a chance maybe to learn behind a veteran uh, show his skills somewhere else, his speed, his athleticism. Got to keep a guy like that happy. I mean, I would get him into the ball game. I would keep him involved. You don't go from being the everyday shortstop at a place like South Carolina and everything that comes with that, and then you lose your job to a veteran. You got to use that guy to keep him happy. You, you know, with the with the ease of leaving, the portal, John, and all that kind of stuff. You want to keep a guy like that in your program and happy if you can. So I'm sure they'll – Find some ways to get him in the ball, get him into ball games, and get him some play in the field, and get him as many at bats as possible. I, I think um, you go back and look at his numbers from last season. Talking about Braswell, I mean, look, he he hit 284 in 54 games, couple of homers, 27 runs batted in. He only committed nine errors in 139 attempts. Well, I say only. That's that's a 9.56 fielding percentage, but that's shortstop. I mean, shortstop, you're gonna you're gonna have your opportunities for mistakes. Wimmer made nine errors last year. 
with 137 attempts over primarily at second base. So, and if, and also, um, let's see, Braswell, from a stolen base standpoint, he was three of five. Wimmer was 13 of 14. So, I think you find some place to play him and use those unique talents that he has. Um, and I think they will. I think they'll figure out something there. Okay, thanks to uh, Mark Kingston for joining us. We'll hit the break here on Sports Talk. Bob Ritchie of Furman coming up after the bottom of the hour as we look ahead to Furman and Samford basketball. We're at Little John, and a couple of the Clemson players have come out on the court with some early uh, warm-up shooting going on. So things are starting to uh, pick up here as far as activity for this 9 o'clock tip-off. We'll be back in a moment. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games set from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Back we are on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network here on a busy Tuesday night in South Carolina. We got basketball ongoing in the ACC. Miami has jumped all over Florida State. It is 36-17. Make that 39-17, 8.45 to go in the first half. So if you're Clemson, and again, every game is its own battle, but if you're Clemson, and you can take care of business tonight, and you should at home against Georgia Tech. Then you go play a Florida State team, which looks like it's going to take a beating tonight at home to Miami and fall to 7-14 and 5-5 and five and five in the league. So you got a Florida State team that's down this year. You know, Florida State's kind of been one of the teams in the ACC in recent years. Remember, deep bench, they'd run 9, 10 guys out there at you. They don't have that this year. So, I mean, if you're Clemson, you got to win tonight, and then you got to go win at Florida State and take advantage of these games against teams that aren't very good this year. And then you go to Boston College. So that's three consecutive 
pretty bad teams lining up for the Tigers. And there should be, barring, you know, catastrophic injury, there should be no excuse for losing. And I know they're road games, and road games are road games. But these teams are not very good teams to this point. So if the Tigers were to win the next three, my goodness, that put them at 19-4 and and 11-1 and in the ACC. Then you got a huge one at home. You got a huge one at home on the fourth against Miami at three in the afternoon. That's going to be a monster game. Miami is really, really good. Uh, They played Duke to the wire in Durham. I think it was an overtime game on Saturday. Really good game. And and their their best player, uh, what's his name, Wang? Um, He's been sick. He was sick. He'd been sick prior to the Duke game. The game before really wasn't himself. So, um, you know, he must be healthy tonight and getting healthy. So, Miami will be tough. Then you go to North Carolina. So you got a couple of really tough ones there back-to-back. So you need to – the point is you got to take advantage of the kind of soft part of your schedule right here uh, because you got a couple of tough ones coming up that could go either way, whether it's at home or on the road. But Miami is just walking the dog on Florida State now, 41-19. to Uh, Miami is up. Uh, Pack has got 14 for uh, Miami at this point. Poplar's got 10. So they're just killing Florida State tonight. Let's see if we got any other games uh, in action. we got Arkansas and LSU going on. It's 15-11. to 11. Arkansas, LSU, kind of a major disappointment, I'd say, so far in the league in the SEC, 1-6 with their new coach. They got off to a good start overall, but they have struggled in league play. And Arkansas, tough at home, up 15-11 to 11 over LSU at this point. And we've got um, Ole Miss and Missouri. Missouri is leading at Ole Miss 36-24. 8.59 to play in the first half there. Missouri up 36-24. Notre Dame is trailing at NC State. It's 25-19. Wolfpack 8.28 to go in the first half. Of course, it's a swan song there for the coach at uh, Notre Dame, and they're having a tough year to this point, coming in at 9-11, and 1-8 and eight in conference play. And, uh, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame for him to go out on, on, a, on a losing note for, for the season because he's had such a, a great career there uh, at Notre Dame. And, um uh, yeah, yeah, Coach Bray, and we'll see, uh, you know, what Notre Dame does there as far as replacing him as the head coach. But um, going to be a down year for Notre Dame, it looks like, uh, at this particular time. But they will attract some big-time names for that job, no question about it, as Mike Bray will be stepping down after this season, announcing that a couple of weeks ago. We'll hit the break here on Sports Talk. Bob Ritchie, whose name comes up a lot for openings, he'll join us next, the Furman coach coming up. We gon' party like it's your birthday. We gon' sip the party like it's your birthday. Me in the club, bottle full of bug, but mommy, I got the head sitting in the ticket. Back we are at Little John Coliseum tonight, 9 o'clock tonight. Clemson and Georgia Tech gonna do battle in an ACC game tomorrow night. 
over at Timmins Arena on the Furman campus. I should say the beautiful Furman campus. You always have to say the beautiful Furman campus. At Timmins Arena should be a packed house because Samford is coming to town to take on the Paladins, two of the top three teams in the Southern Conference right now. It's a huge game for both. We welcome to Sports Talk once again Furman coach Bob Ritchie. Good evening, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Phil? We are doing tremendous. Thank you for joining us. Congratulations on another terrific season to date. And I know you guys are anxious to play the Bulldogs tomorrow night, your first meeting with them, and a chance to knock off the conference leaders right now. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. And, um, you know, the, the league, once again, you know, you just got a lot of quality teams in the league. And, um, you know, it's it's um, it's going to, it should be a great college basketball game. It should be a, a great atmosphere. And, um, you know, we're, we're definitely looking forward to the game. So you're coming off a win at uh, Wofford on Sunday. No, that was a tough place to play and a very gutsy win, a very tough win. How do you feel your guys are playing going into this one tomorrow night? Well, you know, Phil, we won 8 of 10, and, um, you know, we've won the last, I guess, four on the road. We're, we're the only team in the league so far to play five of eight games on the road to start league, and um, which the good news of that is all going to balance out on the second half. And so, you know, right now it's the standings. You know, you got Sanford, Greensboro, and us. We're all at the top. Um, you know, two of those games, you know, Sanford beat Greensboro in a really close one up there. And then us in Greensboro win the overtime at our place. And, um, you know, I think that's just – that's how this that's how this thing's going to be. You know, it's, it's going to be great ball, great games. And um, it's going to go all the way till March. And then just like we know at this level, you know, our, our year is going to be defined about what we do in Asheville. And so right now we've got two fifth-year seniors that are, that are playing really good ball. Um, but five of our nine that we're playing are actually underclassmen, which is exciting in the fact that – you know, we can continue to grow and get better. And um, we've seen that here in the last month. And, um, you know, I think we can I think we can continue to make strides, specifically on the defensive end, as we go through February and prepare to go to, to, to the tournament in March. i tell you what, I know they're going to be doing some work at Timmins here in the near future to make it, I, I guess, more of a basketball-type venue. But it's become a heck of a home court for you going back to 19 and 20, 2019-2020. You've only lost five home games. So that place is a tough place to play. You're the visiting team. Your team, of course, uh, is the biggest part, but I guess the fans have made the place a little bit rowdy. Yeah, you know, the, the atmosphere has really grown. And, um, you know, over the, over the past few years, the energy in it, you know, just I think Greenville starting to, you know, take notice of, of just the, the type of ball that we play. It's a fast it's a fast game. It's a lot of scoring. Our guys play together for the most part. They play really hard on defense. and. You know, it's, it's hard to build a fan base. It takes time. But, you know, we've, we've been able to sustain winning, you know, averaging 22-plus wins, you know, a year over the last five years or so. It's it's really helped just kind of get some people that, you know, maybe came out a little bit or hadn't been exposed to it before. You know, we've been playing the games downtown, playing a couple of those a year. And I think it's just, it's just really helped build the crowd there. And, um, you know, the Greensboro game last Saturday was just, I mean, it was it – was, felt like there was standing room only in there and you know I'd expect another one tomorrow to be packed but you know I thought Bill Self said it well last night you know home court advantage you know usually usually you got a really good home court advantage if you have really good players out there and yeah. um, fortunately, fortunately we've 
we've had some good players. We've had a lot of guys develop and um, continue to get better. And, you know, through the years, we've we've been able to put some good teams out there. And if you add that with with a good fan base, you know, usually usually it helps you at home. Well, I tell you what, I mean, you've done such a phenomenal job at Furman, and your team. It just seems like you can always shoot the basketball. Now this year, you're averaging 82 points a game. You're shooting 49 percent from the floor. You're shooting 36 percent from three. You're shooting 76 percent from the line. I mean, do you just go out and find shooters, or do you and the staff know how to coach up shooting? What's the secret? <laughs> you know what's funny, too, Phil? We're actually number one in the country right now in two-point field goal percentage. Ah. And um, it, it's, one thing, it's one thing I always talked about in the offseason when, when, when I have to speak about offense and things like that. But me, personally, the way you judge a really good offense is you look at the two-point field goal percentage because it shows you how many layups you're getting. And for us, you know, we play through tempo and space – I really believe personal philosophy. If you get quality shots over and over and over again, the percentages are going to play themselves out, and and I think that's the key, right? You got to really, you got to really take good shots, and you got to work to get great shots. But we do. We we emphasize skill as a program, and um, you know we do skill year round, and you know we have a certain style of play that that fits us and it's worked for us. And, um, you know, it's, that was one of the things going into the year, you know, losing Alex Hunter and losing Kyle Garrison that were two really, really good shooters. A lot of people worried, hey, is, is their shooting going to go down? And it wasn't quite as high in the non-league, but what's funny in league, we've been shooting close to 39% from three. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know it's, it's one of those deals where if you work to get really good ones, you know, offensively as a unit, I think a lot of times the shot quality is going to determine the shot percentage. Yeah, talking to Bob Ritchie of Furman. With that in mind, I mean, you do have some older guys, you have some younger guys, but in your offense, in your system, in your scheme, do you find your guys are unselfish and they're willing to make that next pass, that extra pass that leads to the better shot, that leads to the shot in the lane, that leads to the layup that you're talking about? Absolutely, and it's and it's something that you know you got to have that a part of of your identity and your culture, and you got to you got to. In this day and age, Phil, you got to preach it daily, you know, and you got to you got to get players to buy into it. And it's a hard thing to do, you know, because the game has become very individualistic in a lot of ways. Yeah. But the game, the game's just more fun like that, you know. And what we always talk about is just, hey, look, you know, the more passes, the more points, and you know, the more points that we score, then we're all going to score. You know, you look at the game at Wofford the other night. I mean, we scored ninety six points on the road. And I believe we had five guys in double figures. You know, we had three guys. We had three guys the other night scored 20 points or more. And so when you can get them to buy into it that, hey, this is this is going to produce, instead of it just being one guy, you know, hey, we're going to get we're going to get good shots for everybody. We're going to play at a fast tempo. We're going to get good ball movement. And then, you know, you get through it and you get to the end of the game. And now you just got a happier group. And um, it's a little bit of a paradox, which I think the game of basketball has a lot of paradoxes built within it. Um, but it's 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 a paradox in terms of hey, the more you move it, the the more you're going to score it, and you know it's 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 hard to get them to buy into it. But once they do and they see it, and they see it works, then they start to realize hey, this is who we are. And I think that's why we've been able to be consistent in terms of scoring uh, because we've we've been able to get teams to buy into that. Yeah, everybody likes touching the basketball. Now it seems to me like Mike Bothwell has been there ten years. I know it's only five. But it seems like we've been talking about him forever. 19, almost 20 points per game, and he just he plays a complete game for you. In the annals of Furman greats, 
And I know you only go back, you know, so many years. You don't go back 50 years. But, I mean, where do you think he falls there all time among the greats at Furman? Well, I, I think he's up there for sure. And, um, you know, I think I think the story's yet to be written on this season. But, you know, if this team can go on to win a championship, then I think that's even going to push him even higher up there. And, um, you know, he, he's he's a great teammate. He's a, he's a great person. You know, the best thing he's done this year, it's funny going back to the paradox we just talked about, like he's scoring a little bit more than he ever has, but he's also distributing more than he ever has. And, you know, he's really gotten more people involved and he's making plays for others. Uh, he's really he's really trying to focus a little bit more about being a complete defender. But he's he just grown a little bit every year. You know, he played a little bit his freshman year. And then his sophomore year off the bench, he started getting going. And um, and then, you know, this is going to be his third year being an all-conference player. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's just gotten a little bit better every year to a point where now, you know, he's just – he's a complete guard. And, you know, you haven't seen like, hey, you know, he had 20 this night and he had seven that night. It's just like every night it feels like, hey, he's, he's getting between 15 and 25 points. Uh, but he's doing a lot of other things to help us win games. Yeah. Great player, great player for you. The matchup with Samford, what are the keys for you? What makes them so good? They're unbeaten in league play thus far. Yeah, you know, they, they are. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they've played, I think they've played five to eight at home. And um, they've got a great home record, a great home atmosphere there as well. And, um, you know, they're, they've got some players too now. I mean, they've got Quez Glover, who's a transfer from Florida. They've got Bubber Parham, who's a transfer from Georgia Tech. Uh, they've got Logan Dye in the post, is playing really, really well. Uh, he's playing all conference basketball right now. Brandon Marshall's a good player. You know they've got they've got some talent, and um, you know it's we we had a couple wars with them last year. Uh, we split with them in the regular season, and we beat them in the semifinals of the tournament, but which was a a classic game. Mm. And um, you know they play hard. They uh, they play with a lot of energy. They really try to get in press. You know they really try to create a lot of chaos defensively. And um, you know, bring a little bit of stress to the game. They're going to switch up defenses in the half court and things like that. So, you know, we're going to we're going to have to be composed, and um, you know, we're going to have to make sure we take care of the ball. And um, you know, that's that's usually the key. They in the non-conference they had a little they had a little bit of a skid where they lost you know some games in a row there, and then they've gotten into league play and, and they they've ripped off eight in a row. So, um, you know, we got to be prepared. We got to be ready to go. But it should be a heck of a game. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic game. All right, I got two other questions to ask you before we let yep. you go. In 1970, South Carolina lost in the finals of the ACC basketball tournament and couldn't go to the NCAA, and Bobby Crimmins left and went up to the mountains not to be heard from for who knows how long. So when you lost that heartbreaker to Chattanooga in the, uh, in the tournament last year, I mean, because it's a one-bid league, you're right there, ready to go to the NCAA tournament. Where'd you go? I mean, how did you get over that moment? Well, you know, I think I think what you learn, Phil, like, you know, if if just to be honest with you, if if that's all that there is to life, that's a very hard moment. And um, you know, I think you got to fight for perspective in this profession now more than ever. Uh, I think you ha- you have to have. For me, you know, my faith is critical. And, you know, you just got to trust at the end of the day, like that, that everything happens for a reason. There's, there's always an opportunity for growth in some of the hardest situations that we go through in life. And was it a difficult situation? Absolutely. Uh, but is it going to be a deal that destroys us? Is it going to be a deal that defines us as a program? 
Um, I really, I'm really been committed to making sure it's something that stretches me as a coach, make, makes me a better leader, uh, but also gives our program a greater resistance, a greater like resiliency and a greater determination and just understanding that like, it's just part of the ascension. And, you know, back seven, eight years ago, this program was 342 in the RPI. Hmm. And a lot of people have forgotten that pretty quickly. And, you know, it's it's been, I think we've played in the championship game three years this century in the 2000s. And the two games before that, Furman was the 10th seed in both of those games. It was a little bit of a Cinderella type deal. You know, yeah. one, I was an assistant in, in, in 14 and another one was in the early 2000s. But when you look at it in totality, you know, as you're building program and you're, and you're pushing this to where we want it to go, it's the first time this century that Furman's supposed to have been in that game that we were actually in the game. And we got to a point in the game that we, got our, we gave ourselves an opportunity to win it, and it just didn't work out. And, um, but when you, when you go through it, it's funny. You feel like you're one in a million in the moment, and then all these coaches start calling you, and they start texting you. And, you know, from, from all kind of greats, you know, from – you know, Coach Sweeney reaching out to me and just saying, hey, look, you know, we lost to Alabama and they onside kicked us. And, and that's what led us the next year to win it and stay the course. You know what I mean? And, and I probably got 10 calls that were similar to that. And, and that's what we've tried to do. You know, just, just everything about what's next, everything about pushing forward and really using it to say, hey, this is going to be motivation. And, um, you know, it's look, we haven't we haven't stopped. And, um, you know, this team has come out again. We're, we're in the middle of another great season. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're excited about what's ahead, and we're excited about going back to the tournament here in a little bit over a month. All right, last thing, and I know there's a big difference between men's college basketball and women's college basketball, but the other day South Carolina women, number one in the country, played Arkansas. I don't know if you're aware of this. They had 74 rebounds in the game. Have you ever seen a college box score anywhere where a team had 74 rebounds? No, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Um, Were you aware that I've they had 74, 74 rebounds, rebounds in that game? I, I, I saw they won by like 50, uh, 90-something to 40-something, I believe. I did, not, right. I did not know there were 74 rebounds. <laughs> so, <Yes. laughs> uh, but I'll tell you this. If you're, if you're getting 74 rebounds, you're going to win by a lot because <laughs> that other team's missing a lot of shots. And um, so, yeah, that, that leads for a fun day. Well, 30-something, like 32 of them, I think, were offensive. So, I mean, they killed them in the paint. I just found, I mean, you're, you're a basketball guy, and you're the first basketball coach I've had a chance to talk to since that game. And I just thought 74, that's absurd for a team to have 74 yeah. rebounds in a game. So, even in the NBA. I would, so. if, if, you, if you had told me, I mean, if you see 50 rebounds, that's a lot in a game. You yeah. know what I mean? And so then, then to think of, man, what about 60? I mean, you get in the 70s, that's, uh, that, that's a lot of rebounds. That's a lot of rebounds. Well, you know, maybe tomorrow night you'll get 70 rebounds, uh, like 40 <laughs> of them offensively, and you'll, you'll outscore them by 60 in the paint or something like, you know, like that. So um, we wish you the best of luck. We thank you so much for joining us. I know we'll talk again, and uh, good luck tomorrow night. Should be a heck of a game over at your place. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me on, Phil, and uh, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Bob. Bob Ritchie, coach at Furman. We appreciate him being on with us. That was a gut shot when they got beat by Chattanooga at the buzzer championship game. I mean, they're thinking they're going to the tournament. All they got to do is survive this. And it was a Hail Mary half-court deal, as you might recall. Uh, it's, it's probably the play, maybe. I'd hate to say the whole thing was based on that. 
but it certainly helped Lamont Paris get the South Carolina job by having taken his team to the NCAA tournament. You know how people are influenced by coaches who make the NCAA tournament. That's how close they were last year, Furman was. They got a great chance to get it, uh, to get there this year, but they got to win the Southern Conference tournament. You know, doing great in the regular season, having a great record, having a great league record is—it's really meaningless. You got to win the SoCon tournament. It's unfortunate for them. It's a one-bid league, and if you don't win the tournament, you're staying home or you're going to one of those—you're uh, going to the NIT or or something else. So, Bob Ritchie's a great basketball coach. There's no question about it. From his days uh, early on, I think at Francis Marion, I think it was Francis Marion, Charleston Southern, um, Furman. I'm just going off the top of my head here. I could be off on a little bit there, but he's just been a great basketball coach wherever he's been. So good luck to him and good luck to the Paladins uh, tomorrow night. Um, okay, we have got to roll and hit the break, and uh, we'll do that when we come back. We'll come back and wrap things up. From here at Little John, update some basketball scores and uh, finish things up with some uh, final notes on this Tuesday night. And we'll be back after this timeout here on Sports Talk. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training, and Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. Join the Trailblaze Challenge, the endurance hike program where big hearts come together for big steps to create hope for local wish families through Make-A-Wish South Carolina. This spring, take part in a new journey on the Palmetto Trail. From sunrise on the highest peak in South Carolina to the coastal marshes of the Lowcountry, hikers of all levels can support critically ill children, enjoy and explore the outdoors, and build South Carolina pride and community through an all-inclusive hike experience. Visit sctrailblazechallenge.org to learn how to get started. That's sctrailblazechallenge.org. Sure do want to thank our guest tonight, Mark Kingston and uh, Bob Ritchie. If you missed anything tonight, tuned in late, left early, which you should never do, tune in late, which is unforgivable, but we're glad you tuned in. Everything will be in podcast form for you later on this evening, the entire show, the elements. You can uh, find them, of course, at uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, if they haven't shut it down. You see where Spotify is laying off a bunch of people? Uh, Google Podcast. Google's laying off a bunch of people, like 12,000. 
uh, Apple Podcast. <clears throat> Apple Podcast, I think, is okay. I don't think they're laying off anybody at Apple. So you can find it there. Um, of course, everything's on our website, sportstalksc.com, on Twitter at sportstalksc. And let's see, we got a few comments going on here on our stream. Charger Ron tells us he listened to Ray Tanner speak in Charleston tonight. He did not add anything to the Jeff Coach story, he said. So he was disappointed. I guess he was disappointed about that. He said nothing earth-shattering. He declined to add anything to the Jeff Coach story. Thank you, Charger Ron, for that. Uh, Eddie on board with us tonight. And um, Eddie says, uh, and Brian jumped in and talking about a Final Four at Omaha for USC baseball. He liked what Mark Kingston had to say. And uh, Eddie said that Mark sounded excited about the team. And Brian says uh, their set needs to happen. Loves Kingston. Last year's situation, just horrible. So it's got to be a good year. Yeah, I would think that, um, you know, they, uh, they, they need to avoid the injury bug. Are you going to get hit by the injury bug two years in a row? I mean, it doesn't. Sometimes it happens, usually not two years in a row. Uh, if they can keep those arms healthy, and they got a bunch of them, uh, they got a chance to be very, very good. You heard what he said about um, Maloney, right? It's Maloney hitting 96, 97 today in their in their pitching session. And uh, so that guy, that cat could bring it. You know, he was a good pitcher for them before he got hurt a couple of years ago. It took him a couple of years to get over the Tommy John and get healthy again. So I like the looks of this team. Now tomorrow night we'll hear from Eric Backish at uh, Clemson. Uh, He'll be joining us to talk about the Tiger team that he has taken over and molding in his image with some help from on the outside from Jack Leggett, but his uh, new coaching staff. So Coach uh, Eric Backich be with us tomorrow night at uh, 6.30 on Sports Talk. So make plans uh, for that. Update to basketball here in the final minutes. We wrap things up from Little John. Oh, Miami just taking it to Florida State tonight, 54-28. At the break, Hurricanes got this one well in hand. Same thing, Arkansas and LSU at halftime, 38-14. Hogs over the Tigers there. So two games that are both blowouts. You've got Missouri up on Ole Miss, 47-41. They're at halftime, high-scoring game there. Uh, But Missouri getting some things right tonight at Ole Miss. Notre Dame in a tight one, leading at the half at NC State, 42 39, Illinois is leading Ohio State late in the first half, 32-24. to 24. Still to come tonight, of course, here, Georgia Tech, Clemson. You got North Carolina up at Syracuse, and uh, you have got tonight Kentucky playing at Vanderbilt. And that'll do it for the college basketball tonight. All right, uh, Pat, any final little pieces of uh, information? I'm seeing here where the Packers are considering – Trading Rodgers, it says here. Says Only to here, the AFC, though. They're trading him to the AFC, possibly. Mm-hmm. Is considering a trade of Rodgers, according to ESPN. Adam Schefter, hard to imagine. He's going to retire and walk away from $110 million in guaranteed money. He said that um, he's either going, to back, going back to Green Bay or the team explores the idea of trading him. Uh, Jordan Love's getting closer and closer to playing. 
So the, the team uh, could part ways with Rodgers. Doesn't mean it will happen. Uh, but if he wants that and they're on the same page, it's certainly realistic. And if they do go ahead and trade him, it would be to the AFC, which makes sense. I mean, they don't want to play him in an NFC championship game. You know how much heartache that would be. Okay, we'll see what happens there. Uh, be sure to follow on Twitter as we cover the Clemson game. We'll have the post game on our website, sportstalksc.com. Thank you, Pat, for a great job. Have a great night, everybody.